the canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Welcome to season two of the Canine Condition Podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pignol. Each episode is a conversation with a trustworthy dog rescue organization or animal welfare advocate that will leave you inspired and empowered. This is the why, where, and how to adopt or help a canine family member. The goal is to save homeless dogs and set you up for success with information and resources to raise and keep a healthy and well-balanced dog. Embark on this journey with me, and let's save humans' best friend together. One of my missions in beginning the Canine Condition documentary series and this podcast was to find licensed dog rescue organizations in each state across the United States that are doing the work of saving the homeless, abandoned, and abused dogs of their communities. Between large metropolitan cities and miles and miles of rural areas, Texas is the second largest state by land area and population in this country. As I have discussed with all of my guests on previous episodes, social media is the window to opportunity when it comes to aiding animal welfare. I have met some of the most generous and kind people on this journey because we connected on social media. Since last year, I have been following and supporting a rescue named This is Houston. When I first found out about this organization, I went to their website and the statement on their About Us section really spoke to me. I'm going to read it to you because, well, I think it will speak to you too. Why we do what we do. The inundation of graphic dog posts and images on social media seems to have rendered a lot of people helpless. The bystander effect has grabbed a hold of our city and it isn't loosening its grip. Most people are not aware of the stray overpopulation problem going on in this city. The others don't help because someone else will. Well, we are someone else. We have no superpowers. We have no magic formula or secret that gives us the ability to do what we do. We are just an example of what can be done when people come together for a common cause and leave egos at the door. Why do we do this? Because we choose to. Because we are tired of dogs suffering needlessly and because we refuse to live in a world where there is a choice not to help. Well, I could not have stated that better myself, and I know that a lot of us who have an important cause that speak to us need to find other like-minded people in order to continue the mission, to feel energized, and to not lose hope. This is Houston gives me that energy and that hope. It is my pleasure to have this conversation with Courtney Crenshaw from This Is Houston. Welcome to the Canine Condition Podcast, Courtney. Thank you. So let's talk about This Is Houston. I just found out about the rescue in the last year, and I'm very curious and excited that there's so much good work being done on behalf of this rescue in the state of Texas. Um, What is your position with This Is Houston, and what led you to this journey with them? So I'm considered um, the medical director, I guess. I go over most of the medical stuff. Um, I also kind of hold the title of foster coordinator, but yeah, that that one's kind of (laughs) iffy. I started doing special needs animals with another rescue. And then Laura was on a friend on my Facebook. And so I seen when they first started and I, I sent a picture of a dog to her and she was like, do you want it? And I was like, yes. And so 
that started it all. Okay. So it's sort of, it's sort of just connecting with people on social media, which is one of the big topics in the podcast is how much we can help each other, even when we haven't even met, or if we are just casual friends that are connected. And then this wonderful cause brings us together. Yeah, definitely. I um, did not know. I didn't even meet Laura and Tom probably until months after um, I started working with them. I started, of course, as just a foster. Um, but then from fostering, I, I joined the team and started working with them. Wonderful. And Laura Forma and Tom Heller, they are the founders of The Rescue. Um, we don't often see men as founders of The Rescues, which is awesome because we need more men in the movement and we celebrate the men when they join the effort. What do you think was the turning point for Laura and Tom? Have they expressed to you or ever shared with you what made them say, we have to start a 501c3? Yeah, definitely. So they were independent rescuers. So Laura would take in animals and she would network them for other rescues or she would just network for donations for herself. And that's just so much harder to get donations for an individual than it is for a 501c. Uh, people trust, you know, a 501c unlike they do individuals. So she started having some problems finding enough funds and finding enough rescues to intake these dogs she was independently rescuing. And so at that point, her and a group of people got together and they started talking about This is Houston. And then over time, it, it became a 501c. That's awesome. And it was just founded in 2019. So the rescue itself is fairly young as a 501c, but everyone involved seems to have come from this passion for saving animals in their personal lives, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And do you feel like the team, do you feel like the journey is something that everyone expected the way it's gone so far? Or did it surprise you? Obviously, with 2020 and COVID, was, was that something that got in the way or made the process easier in rescue? Two questions. I think that overall, we did not expect to be as successful of a rescue as we are, but we've done really well thanks to all of our volunteers and all of our donors. I think 2020, actually, the only good thing that came out of COVID was that we had more volunteers and stuff. I am so sorry. Can we pause for just one second? I have an ER calling regarding a dog. Absolutely. Take your time. I'll be right here. This is Courtney. Okay. I'm so sorry. This poor baby, he's he's only like four weeks old and he was sold on Facebook and he's been at an ER for like five days, but he's just declining. So he went to a specialty ER. And so we're really worried about him, but hopefully he'll pull through. Oh my goodness. And for our listeners, I would like to just let you know, we took a pause because Courtney got an emergency phone call and you know, this is the reality of rescue. Rescue is busy. It's, it's crazy busy and you never know what's going to come your way, especially when you're in charge of medical. So Courtney, tell us a little bit more about Snow. Let's advocate for this little baby. Snow is a young puppy. They believe he is about um, four to five weeks old. Um, he was sold on Facebook last week to someone because he got in the, an ant bed and he just wasn't thriving like his siblings. And unfortunately, the person who bought him on Facebook did not take him to the vet. So he just steadily declined over the week. Um, and he was super malnourished when I picked him up. He was very dehydrated. He wouldn't even lift up his head. And so we got him to the ER and he's now had four blood transfusions and a ton of IV antibiotics and fluids. And um, then today he started having um, fluid buildup in his chest and his abdomen. So he was switched over to a specialty ER um, this afternoon and we're going from there. Okay. And what breed is he possibly, can you tell yet? Um, 
We're guessing maybe an Australian Shepherd mix, possibly. Gotcha. Okay. And I'm assuming that those bills are are not cheap, right? I mean, the bills accumulate. <laughs> they definitely are not. Um, they Our estimate tonight that we uh, got was almost $5,000. So they're definitely not cheap. They they go pretty high, but but they're all worth it if they make it. And even if they don't, it was worth us trying to save them. Absolutely. I do agree. And it seems like you have a wonderful vet. I, I got to hear a little bit of what she was saying to you. She was so incredibly thorough and detailed in mm-hmm. what she was explaining to you. Yeah, definitely. The um, vets at Gulf Coast um, Hospital are, are pretty good about going in detail and explaining everything, making sure you're aware of what's going on. That's really great. And I love to hear that because sometimes, you know, you'll hear stories about vets maybe just kind of looking things over with rescue dogs, but really tending more to their private clients. And we love when vets treat everybody the same because all animals matter. They're all just mm-hmm. as important. And, you know, this little baby, if it makes it, we'll, we'll have a family and that family will be complete because this baby joins their family, you know? So we definitely want to advocate for that. And anyone who's listening to this episode, please go back and look at This Is Houston and the posts and the campaigns to, you know, advocate and share their dogs or if you can make a donation to any of the dogs, if it so touches you or if you're able to, I always, always encourage that. Are you a foster-based rescue? You mentioned you had started as a foster. Is that, and how do you find more foster homes? Tell us how the rescue functions on a day-to-day saving all these dogs from all different places. Yeah, definitely. I, I think before I got that phone call, I was saying how 20 and 20 helped us as a rescue was that um, COVID kept a lot of people home. So we were kind of never in the need for fosters. We had a, an abundance of fosters. And now this year, people have gone back to work and gone back to their life. And so fosters can be hard to come by sometimes. Um, we do network on Facebook, on Instagram, we're on TikTok. Um, and so we just network for fosters and they do applications. And if all works out, then we are pretty big on Facebook. So we always start a Facebook um, group chat with everyone in the rescue and the foster. And um, we just stay in touch pretty much daily. Or if it's a stable dog, you know, they maybe weekly and they go up for adoption once they're healthy enough and go from there. Okay. Okay. And here's a question. So you, cause this puppy was, you know, sold on Facebook and that person, you know, made it to this is Houston and, and the puppy got help. Do you as an organization take owner surrenders? If people are like, Hey, we can no longer care for our pet or we're going to turn our pet into a shelter, but will you take our dog? Is that something you guys do or is that not allowed? Owner surrenders are really hard. We do take owner surrenders. We have in the past, and I'm sure we will in the future. But honestly, it's a case-by-case basis. Um, we've had some owners who, after we do everything we can for the dog, they they want the dog back. And that's a really hard position oh. to put a rescue in. So um, it just it's, it's a case-by-case basis. Um, we do do way more strays and shelter dogs and um, stuff like that. We do way more of, of those dogs than we do owner surrenders. Understood. Yeah. And and I see your point. Absolutely. You mean after all the money that I'm sure goes into healing a dog or updating the vetting on a dog, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they want their dog back. It seems like the best thing to do is tell them, turn it into a shelter and maybe wait out the stray hold. And then you guys can pull the dog because then the dog would be yours, right? Yeah. But most of the time when we take... We don't take really any healthy owner surrenders. So uh, when we take an owner surrender, they're usually critical. So we don't really have the time for the um, stray hold when we take them. So yeah, it's just a hard position. It's a hard situation. 
Yeah, yeah, that would that would be hard. I could see that. So I wanted to let you know, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but I started this journey with the canine condition uh, with a documentary. We just started documenting our journey traveling around the country simply because I had been drawn to a shelter in Georgia. So my journey started in the South. We drove through Texas quite a number of times back and forth in the last few years. And I have to tell you, some of the most difficult stray dog cases I've ever seen have been out of Texas. Um, And of course, at the time, if I couldn't help, I at least connected with a rescue, mostly in the Northeast, that was helping. That's why I was so excited to find out about This is Houston, because I want to know who's helping the Houston dogs in Houston and in other parts of Texas. For our listeners, give us a layout of the city. What, what is it like? Is it a, a lot of metropolitan city? Is it more rural? And why are there so many strays? Why so much neglect? Houston is a pretty big city. There's really nothing rural about it. Um, I think that the reason we have such a, a big problem on uh, neglect and on strays and abuse is we just don't have the laws that so many states have. Our laws are very uh, minimal here for animals. And even when you do get to finally get a charge on someone for neglect or abuse or anything like that, it's almost impossible to follow that charge all the way through. They almost always get a little slap on the hand and it, it just doesn't change anything usually. So Getting laws change in Texas is definitely something uh, we hope can happen in the near future. Thankfully, in January, they've actually passed a law. I believe it's either on the 15th or the 18th that there will be no more chains. So that that's a big step for Texas. That's a really huge step. So that's that's one thing going forward. My gosh, you just gave me chills. Literally, I've been <laughs> on my legs too because that's huge. And I'm yeah. always pushing for anti-chaining and trying to work with people to see even in small towns in Georgia, trying to establish anti-chaining laws, anti-tethering laws, you know, humane ways to keep your dog, you know, outside without having to tie them to a chain. Um, this is huge. Is this um, a Houston thing or a Texas thing? How, how is that going to affect the state? You know, honestly, I'm not 100% sure. I think it is a Texas thing, um, but I cannot be positive. Um, I know for sure it is Houston, but I want to say it's a a Texas thing together. That's truly wonderful. That is, gosh, I want to applaud, but, you know, (laughs) and everything, we try not to make too much noise. That's terrific. And you know what? That was going to be one of my questions on the podcast today. I thought I want to ask her if she knows about any anti-tethering laws, anti-chaining laws, especially because the pit bull type dogs, um, Mm -hmm. the American Staffordshire Terriers, so often are used as what we like to call cheap security systems and putting them outside of homes. and, And they are some of the most lovable and loving beings. I've ever met in my life. And, and to use them for that is it's just atrocious. It's a crime in my mind, you know? So yeah, I, I didn't realize that the lack of animal protection laws is what keeps the system maybe in this loop of constant strays and constant neglect of animals. Um, so I guess what you need more legislation, more advocacy and legislation. Yeah, definitely. We have groups that are focused um, just on that here in Texas. Um, we kind of started out, this is Houston kind of started out um, as that, but then we we formed the rescue. Um, but definitely, yeah, we need a lot more people to advocate and a bunch of new laws to go in place. There's absolutely really no breeder laws. There's no, not much of neglect and it, it, it's a 
it's a work in progress, but the, the chaining law being passed was a huge thing for us. So we're hoping to see more laws in the future. Absolutely. It's, it's huge for Texas. And um, I want to run over to Georgia and tell them about it because <laughs> you guys can do it being such a large state. I mean, Georgia certainly, you know, I hope will one day also establish those kind of laws. I, I got four of my dogs from different rescues and shelters in Georgia. So um it's, you know, it's just something that speaks to me. I've also noticed that this is Houston makes a very big effort to help the dogs of Cleveland, Texas. I'm not sure where Cleveland is in relation to Houston, but can you talk to us about that and why this area is of particular interest and need? We started um, getting a few Facebook posts that we would see dogs in Cleveland and we've rescued a few from there. One of my first fosters name was Casper. He, he came from the shelter there in Cleveland and several others did. Um, but the thing that really got us going in the outreach program there was we were street feeding. Some of our members were out there street feeding and they found a um, pit uh, that they, that we named Rose and she was in awful condition. She had mange and she had made herself a little pallet on uh, garbage. Basically, I believe it was a torn down box and so she really touched um, us and we got her and we took her immediately to one of our ERs and she ended up being parvo positive and she declined pretty rapidly and we ended up losing her. And, oh. and that really, um, that was probably one of the, the biggest losses that we've, that touched us. So after that, uh, one of our members, Laura, she she came up with the idea of starting this outreach program and it became, I think, even more than what she was expecting. So we started out by um, wanting to vaccinate and microchip and deworm dogs and um, offer some free spay and neuters. And um, to today, we started this in early 2021. And to today, we've vaccinated um, over 800 dogs. And I believe we stayed or neutered over 300 dogs just in this one city. So that is a, a big problem Cleveland has. Wow, that is huge. It just people just don't know about vaccinations or they can't afford it. Is it sort of a socioeconomic issue? Honestly, I'm not sure. You know, people um they pull up in their BMWs for free vaccinations and it makes you wonder, you know. But I think it's it's just I'm not really sure what it is about Cleveland. Cleveland is like a third world country um, in Texas. It's awful. You wouldn't believe the things you see. You wow. you drive down and um, you're going to see at least one to five dogs on each street. And so it's it's a big thing. There's even been cases where the Cleveland residents will actually see a dog and they're driving and they swerve to hit a dog. And it, it's Cleveland's just a really bad city for for animals, unfortunately. Gotcha. Okay. Is it near Houston? I mean, um, I'm not sure where it is. It is. It is near Houston. So like right outside of Houston, there's a city called Kingwood. And then right outside of Kingwood is um, Cleveland. Wow. Okay. So um, just, you know, for any listeners who feel compelled to make a difference in these areas of our country, this is a rescue that's taking action in that arena. So I always say, if you can't go out there and be boots on the ground, then connect with them on social media because there are ways to help better these situations. I can tell that This Is Houston is already making a change. And if this is your first year doing it, you know, five years down the line, you guys could have a really big impact on places like Cleveland. I mean, there could be an actual turnaround. We hope so. We really hope, hope we can make change. 
What is the most difficult part of rescue for you personally? Uh, Me personally, I'm a big special needs and medical foster. I think the hardest thing is being too late to get them, being too late and not being able to save them all. It it really um, weighs on you after so many. It never gets easier when you lose one and it's always so hard to watch them suffer and, and eventually, you know, sometimes we have to end up euthanizing. So so that's pretty hard. Right. Because you find them in such well, in the most terrible conditions sometimes that you can't save them, right? Definitely find them and and they have parvo and it's just too far gone and no matter what we do for them or we've had a couple of um distemper dogs and we've thrown everything we can at them and unfortunately um when we realize that they're suffering more than anything. We have to let them go. And, you know, it just is, it's hard. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can imagine. Um, what is the most rewarding part of all this for you then? What what makes you get up every day and say, I'm going to keep going for the long haul? I have several of the adopters on my Facebook or I have their numbers and we communicate back and forth. I have one adopter um, that adopted a bottle baby from me a couple years ago now. And she still occasionally, at least twice a month, I would say, sends me photos and updates. And it's very rewarding to watch what could have not made it and how um, they're thriving. Oh, I bet. It's, yeah, somebody said to me in another episode that it's like an extended family that you never thought you'd have having these adopters reach out and, and keep in touch with you about the dogs that you've cared for. It definitely, it, it really is. Our adopters are amazing. Oh, that's great. And and yeah, that's the other side of the coin is that it's worth it because you do find the people that are in it because they love the animals, because they know how to care for them and they want to do the right thing. Because anything other than caring for an animal and showing compassion for other beings that we share the planet with, it's just wrong. Can you tell us a story of one of your most difficult cases, but that actually beat the odds and and has a happy new beginning thanks to This is Houston? Definitely. I think when we think of our biggest success in rescuing with this group, we think of the name Jake. Uh, Jake was a husky, again, from Cleveland. Um, and he was in horrible shape. He was extremely emaciated. He he was just awful. Um, Laura actually went and picked him up after she seen a post on Facebook about him and got him to the ER. And unfortunately, he um, coded um, twice. And the doctors told us he was going into organ failure. And I asked for the records. I wanted to see the blood work and everything to see myself how bad it was. And mm-hmm. I told Laura and Tom, um, I said, I think we should give it one more try. If he codes one more time, then we need to let him go. But if if he doesn't code again, we need to fight because the vets were pretty adamant about needing to euthanize him after that second code. And he beat all odds. He He did really poor for a few days. We transported him to a specialty hospital and he stayed there for weeks, but he beat the odds. You would never know if you see his pictures today that those pictures then were him. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? I'm going to have to go look him up now. Is he in one of the posts on your Instagram? Oh, he is all over the place. <laughs> yeah, he he was a big deal for us. He was, he was a miracle. Oh, go Jake. Did they keep his name? Is he adopted? He is adopted and they did keep his name. Yes. 
That is awesome. Kudos for Jake. Those are the stories that we need to hear because we have to know that there is hope and we have to know that even when, you know, all else fails, donating makes a difference. Even when you lose the dogs, like you mentioned earlier, it was worth trying because they knew love. They knew that fight that somebody was on their side and in their corner. But this is such a wonderful story. I love hearing them. What do you think this is Houston needs more of? If you could ask for anything, just put it out there. Of course, every rescue can um, use more donors, but also fosters. I think donations and fosters for a foster-based rescue are are two big things that are needed all the time. And if people want to foster for your rescue, uh, what is the best way to access the information or find out what they need to provide for you to approve them? So if they go to our website, we have a um, spot just for fosters. It gives as much information, everything we provide, what they would provide, which is just a loving home. And um, they would fill out an application. And then once approved, um, we have a Facebook group that uh, we add our fosters to. And that's kind of how we we find our fosters. We post photos of dogs needing a foster and our fosters commit on the post. Gotcha. And you seem to be giving your fosters a lot of support. I mean, the fact that your position is in in the medical expertise area, is that something you also follow in your personal life? Are you just well-versed in that area or is it something just of interest to you? I've worked in medicine for about uh, 12 years now, human medicine, but it relates pretty much um, of course. the same in animals. There's a few things that are different, but um, mostly it relates the same. So it has been great for me to have my background and know what I know. It, it works really well. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure Laura and Tom are like, we scored with her. <laughs> because <laughs> It's really important. You know, the medical cases, I mean, they come at you, like you said, you know, last minute phone calls come in and out all day. And I'm sure you're solicited to a lot. Um, how do you decide who you can say yes and no to? I personally cannot say no to anyone. (laughs) Uh, Are you meaning like when they ask for dogs or for help with dogs? Yes. When people either reach out to any of you in the rescue and they say, look at this dog, look at me, because I know I myself have seen dogs that I'm like, I can provide this, but I need a rescue. And I'm, you know, knocking on doors too, because I want a rescue to help save a dog. And and everybody's always full and, and obviously being solicited a lot. Um, How do you guys determine that threshold? I have no willpower there. I want them all. Uh, I I have a standing joke that Laura and Tom are going to block me one of these days for asking to intake so many. Um, (laughs) But Tom, I think Tom is our our brains guy. He's the one who ultimately, I think him and Laura decide who we intake. Um, But I think Laura is a lot like me. I don't think she has much of a willpower either. So Tom usually is pretty open. But when we have too many or when we just can't handle another, um, Tom will let us know, you know, hey, this isn't a good idea. And and we just network them for other rescues. Oh, good. So you do try maybe because because that is a good way. And I've seen that type of collaboration, which I get excited with, is trying to bring more people together that you're not just in it for your own rescue, but that you're in it for that animal, no matter who sees it and where it goes, as long as you know it's being done right and for the right reasons. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think something I, I've worked with many rescues. And I think one thing that I love so much about this is Houston is um, if they see a dog, but we know that we are full, um, but the dog's critical, they sometimes will pay for an ER visit while networking for another rescue. And so uh, they, teamwork is, is a big thing in rescue. And I don't think one rescue can do it all. So that's that's a big thing. But yes, Laura has a huge networking base because she she did a bunch of independent rescue before and I have a decent amount and a few others and so yes we always network any dogs that we can't personally take and and usually we we have success with finding them somewhere great can they come from other cities in Texas I mean will you guys take any dog you know obviously case by case but um, from the state of Texas yeah, definitely case by case. Um, we primarily, of course, focus on the Houston and now the Cleveland area. Um, but I myself had drove to West Texas to grab a dog and I drove to Dallas to grab one. So occasionally we will get a dog that's that's not local. Gotcha. Okay. This is Houston uh, partnered up with Cuddly. Is that right? Yes, we've been working with Cuddly for, for quite some time now. I love that because I will tell you, they were on the podcast two episodes ago and they love you guys. Oh. <laughs> they think you guys do amazing work. Oh, that is great. They are awesome. They help a lot with networking and getting donations and and with Amazon list and stuff like that. They're They're awesome. They're a great resource for any rescue to have. Absolutely. So for any listeners who haven't caught the episode on Cuddly, just know that if you ever see a fundraiser on This Is Houston that's attached to Cuddly, or if you see it on the We Love Cuddly page and it references This Is Houston, it's because that's the rescue backing up the dog and the funds are going to This Is Houston to help that dog. So um, I just wanted to make that connection because, again, my goal with this is to just bring more people together and see how more of us can join the movement. And gosh, it'd be great if all of us could not have to do this one day, right? Definitely. That would be a dream. Mm -hmm. So tell us, Courtney, where can our listeners find and follow This Is Houston? Definitely. We have our um, website. It's this-is-houston.org. We also are on Facebook and Instagram, as well as Twitter and TikTok. Awesome. So there really is no excuse not to help This Is Houston because they're everywhere. Super <laughs> easy to find. And I will have those live links in the show notes for this episode so anyone can easily scroll down and connect with the rescue with one easy click. Our listeners should also know that I am not getting paid to advocate for any one individual or organization on this podcast. I choose to interview guests from organizations that I know are doing the good work for dogs and for people across America. Thank you so much, Courtney, for sharing This Is Houston with the Canine Condition Podcast and just, you know, giving us another reason and another way to help humans, best friend. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate what you do. Thank you. Well, if you've ever driven through Texas, like I have, or you've been there because you have family or friends, you know that it is a beautiful state with lots of open land, cities that are vibrant, fun music, delicious food, and lots of rich American history. Unfortunately, the state of Texas, as we now know, also battles with the crisis of dog abandonment and neglect due to the many reasons we discussed in this episode. If you feel inclined to reach out and help the dogs of Texas, please 
get in touch with This Is Houston. They would welcome you with open arms. And even if you are out of state, there's always a way to lend a hand. Thank you for joining me for this episode. Please press subscribe on our podcast and tell all of your dog-loving friends about it. Until next time, hang on to those leashes. The canine condition. Come, sit, stay. Stay. 